Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. Regardless of the day, regardless of what's going on, I'm checking my mic, make sure that's on. And he's got the whole world in his hands. You know, as uh, this week has progressed, as things have gone on um, throughout what's happening globally right now, my wife and I have had several conversations, there's moments of like, do we stock up on food? Do we prepare for what's a worst case scenario? You know, you watch videos, I don't know if you've been watching the news um, heavily with surrounding this, um, you know, some of the threats that have occurred, some of the things that really, when you think about it, are scary. And we hear a rendition of a song that you may or may not have known from your childhood, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 Now, I think of two things when I hear that song. One is I can't ever lose the movie Rocket Man uh, from my head. Uh, if, you, if you're familiar, it's just one I always have a tie back to with that song. But I also <laughs> never lose the joy from knowing that. And I don't know if the, the song or the movie Rocket Man helps me have joy in that moment. Those of you who are familiar with the movie are laughing because you know it's a hysterical scene of the movie. But the truth is God does have the whole world in his hands. And there's no way that we could really talk about how we are connected forever as followers of Christ if we don't take time to talk about how we are connected to the world around us. So as Christians, what do we do? Right? As Christians, we're called to so many things. We're called to a higher standard of living. As followers of Christ, we're called to exemplify who he is at all times. Throughout the entire world, to all people. And that's why as churches, you know, maybe you've been on a missions trip. I've been on two international missions trips uh, in my life, one as a high schooler, one as a college student, and I am eager for the day where it's just starting to have conversations as a church for what we could have as our first international missions trip post-COVID pandemic, and uh, we're eager once we have that final information to share that with you, so bear with me, it's coming, um, but that's all the teaser you're going to get on that part, um, but it's, it's pretty exciting for some of the things that we've been having conversations around. But for me, I've been to two places. I've been to Chiapas, Mexico, and uh, if you've ever been to Chiapas, Mexico, it is not a resort location. Um, it's a very remote area just north of their most southern border. So it's just north of places, the rest of South America. And I remember as a, a teenager going because, hey, the youth group's going, right? So you might as well go. I don't know if you've been on a missions trip as a teenager. And, uh, you know, it's great. We got to go and we got to help people. 
And we got to go and help a small village in the mountains that had no power, no running electricity. You know, it was like an hour drive just by this van on very bumpy roads to help them build a church building, a very rudimentary church building, might I add. You know, we were just mixing and pouring cement and concrete. And, you know, it's like our team was exactly what you would think if you said, hey, I'm going to build a church building, volunteer-based right here. You know, and I'm going to ask the youth group to come and help. You know, like, they're going to be probably the strongest, maybe. If not, they're going to have the most energy, stuff like that. And uh, we were kind of fitting that definition and model. But, man, let me tell you, The people from that village lifted bags of cement and put every single person that we brought to shame. And sometimes like, why are we actually here? I'm sure they were not upset to have extra hands. And they certainly showed us gratitude. You know, the the chickens that were running around um, clucking became our dinner for that night. Um, The village gathered money together just to be able to afford a liter of Coca-Cola to uh, share with us, just because that's how poor and that's how remote this community was. But then to be able to pray with these people, to be able to worship together, uh, it's it's a life-changing experience. And then uh, when I was in college, my wife and I and a bunch of other friends of ours went to uh, Nicaragua. And uh, I know Rock of Grace did a trip to Nicaragua a few years back. not sure if anybody in this room was a part of that trip. But we went to Nicaragua, and we did a lot of things. And I remember one of the ones that really impacted me was hiking the mountains of Nicaragua and bringing food to individuals who lived on those mountains and huts that had some sort of handicap or just due to age were unable to scale down. It was literally scaling down a mountain to get food. We were bringing them packets of food, rice, beans, that's really much a staple there, and just to bring them food so that they can continue to sustain and living. And I remember these experiences, but I also have to remember that they don't exclude us from everything that God has for us. And it's not just an Instagram moment or a social media moment to say, look what I'm doing. And it's certainly not a moment to say, look what I'm doing to make myself feel better, saying, oh yeah, I'm doing I'm doing this thing, but we do it for God, and we get to do it together as a team, and you get to do these things. And because sometimes, you know, like, we get sent to other countries as Christians, saying, yeah, I'm going to sign up for this mission trip, but then we get humbled when we realize that other countries are sending missionaries to us, too. Doesn't that shift perspective? See, when we're talking about being connected to our world, we are not the end-all, be-all with what it means to be a Christ follower, with the gospel that we present. And we find those moments where God is sending us to places, but other people are being sent to the place that I'm at. Saying, God, I can, I can certainly impact people where I'm at too. But sometimes it takes that perspective shift to put things into a new place. And we recognize how we are connected to the world around us, because the world is bigger than us, and the world around us needs Jesus. So to address what's going on, there are people in this world who need to hear the message of the gospel, but also they need to experience what it means when the church comes together. So we have this situation in Ukraine and Russia right now, and despite how we may or may not think the rest of this is going to play out, what your political stance is on this doesn't matter right now. What does matter is how the church comes together to lift each other up, to show 
who Christ is and to show what Christ is about. See, while there are certainly people who are making decisions regarding that situation, there's an incredible amount of individuals who had no say in what they're experiencing. Families are torn apart, lives are lost, and only God knows what is to come. But this is just one of many moments in our lifetime where the church has an opportunity to display the love of Christ. One of many. So while, unless somebody is enrolled in the military in this room that I'm unaware of, or you're joining us online, while we don't necessarily have the means for us to jump overseas and step into the Ukraine situation, we can't tangibly be there, right? But that doesn't mean the gospel isn't there. That doesn't mean Jesus isn't there. That doesn't mean the impact that the church, the big C, not just Rock of Grace, but the capital C church, the body of believers throughout this globe can make a difference. So here's what we're doing as a church. I just want to share and just take a moment before we even jump in with the rest of the service. Many of you may be familiar with a missions organization known as Convoy of Hope. A Convoy of Hope is no stranger to Rock of Grace. It's no stranger to many Assemblies of God churches or even any other churches that you may or may not have been a part of. And Convoy of Hope is a ministry, if I can give a quick synopsis, it's a ministry that goes to places that have been devastated for one reason or another to provide aid to the people. They don't step in. They don't cross the geopolitical borders of things that are going to put them into trouble. They are truly a humanitarian aid to step in with the message of the gospel and presenting things that that community needs to sustainably survive. So here's what we're doing as a church is we find that their initiatives, what they do, is the best way that we could support them as a church. Because even for me, while I can't physically go, I'm, I'm asking myself, what can I give to meet the needs of the people that are over there. So what we're going to do is on Tuesday morning, once a link is available to us from the Convoy of Hope, they're working on it right now, we are going to be texting it out to every single person who calls Rock of Grace their home. And if you want to make sure that you get that link, there is a Connect card in front of you. And if you think, hey, I've not been getting texts from Rock of Grace, but I would like to get this text, please just fill it out. Or, hey, I got a new cell phone number this week. Just write it out, and you can throw it in the giving box on your way out. And we will make sure that you are on that texting list for this upcoming Tuesday. And there is no obligation to give. There is no obligation to be a part of it. But if you are sitting there and you're saying, I want to give to somebody who's going to make a difference for the people that are being impacted by this, that is how we are choosing as a church to step in across, you know, Warren and Kinsman, all three of the, our campuses are united in this, saying we believe that Convoy of Hope is going to be the great, a great resource for the people of Ukraine and Russia and that situation. So we're going to be sending that text message out. Please make sure we have the correct information for you if you want to be getting that text message. And the real question is why? It's because we are connected to this world that Jesus has placed us in. We are called to be the church to all, not just to those who we feel deserve mercy that Jesus has to offer. And that's why it matters that it doesn't matter where I stand. Because we are connected to the world, but we must not be of the world. We are connected to the world, but we must not be of the world. John chapter 17, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open up your apps or your physical Bibles to John chapter 17, verses 9 
through 19, and we're going to have it up here on the screen in just a second. And it says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that you may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of this world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. These are Jesus' words, mind you. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. See, but then there is one who is of the world. If we are not of this world, and if Christ is not of this world, there is one who Scripture says is of the world. And if we skip ahead to 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, It says, you are from God, little children, and you've conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. See, the plots and the ploys of the enemy of Satan are of this world. And I'm spilling my drink. The plots and the enemy are of this world. When we give our lives to Christ, we say, I am no longer of this world. I don't know if you remember that moment you gave your life to Christ. But that is one of those things saying, God, I am choosing to be more and more like you. You see in the scripture in in John where it talks about being sanctified. That means our faith is growing. That means our relationship with Christ is growing and we're becoming more and more like him every day. And we must seek that out for those in the world who need to hear him too, just as somebody did for us. Because if Christ, if we just stopped as saying we are not of this world, but forget we're in the world, nobody in this room would know who Christ is. So as a follower of Christ, we are called to not be of this world. As a follower of Christ, we are called to not be of this world. But we are called to be sanctified by the truth, the word of God. We are sent into the world so that we may share the truth with the world. 
And we can understand how those who do not know Christ live their lives, but we are called to live in a different way. So I'm going to show you some interesting search results. You may or may not know this, but Google releases a lot of their search history, the stuff that happens throughout this entire nation, throughout this entire world. You ever want to know what the world is struggling with? Look at what the world is Googling. Think about the last few things you've searched online. How many of them were asking a question or trying to solve a problem that you had? You know, I, I very much love YouTube for that, learning how to do new things or how to fix things. Uh, my last house was a much older house. Uh, it was 115 years old, and it had 115 years' worth of problems that I learned how to fix thanks to YouTube. But if we look at the top 10 questions in the United States of America in 2021 that started with how to be, we begin to get insights into just our immediate world around us before we even cross a border. So the top question, so these are the top 10. We're going to start with number one, though. The top question Googled, starting with how to be in America last year, was how to be eligible for stimulus check. That, that's not a typo. That's just the language that was used. How to be eligible for stimulus check. Whew. Number two, how to be more attractive. Don't get punched in the face. That's what happens. If you didn't hear my sermon last week, you won't get that one. Um, <laughs> number three, how to be happy alone. These are starting to get heavy. Number four, I had to further Google this one myself. How to be a baddie. And I said, like a villain? Well, I'm old now. I have no hair. And if you're like me and you say, what? It's a, it's a fashion thing. It's a style thing. It's a design thing. It is not how I am dressed. I can tell you that. Um, the closest thing I could probably say is better looking emo goth style from the 90s, early 2000s. And that's even not really doing baddie style of service, I guess. I really had to Google this one. So how to be a baddie is number four. And uh, we're all like, what? How? And this is in America, by the way. <laughs> I thought it was a British thing. How to be a good boyfriend. Number five. Number six. How to be a good kisser. Things you don't want to learn on YouTube. <laughs> Number seven. Didn't see this one coming. How to be a flight attendant. Random, I know. Flight attendant. Number seven. Throughout the nation in 2021 was how to be a flight attendant. Somebody knows something that we don't know, apparently. Number eight. How to be happy with yourself. Number nine, how to be mindful. Number 10, how to be romantic. Just take a moment and just look at that list. Some of them you're like, what? <laughs> Some of them you're like, yeah, I've Googled that. 
Don't tell me which ones. Some of them we've wondered and just been too afraid to ask. But some of these might be hitting something on the head for some of us in this room in some way, shape, or form. But in other words, here's what's actually really being addressed in this. Because as Christians, if we really want to know how to impact the world, if we really want to know how we are connected to our world and called to make a difference with the message of the gospel, then we need to understand the things that those who are of the world are asking, who are those who don't know who Christ is are asking. Because then that changes the message that we share. If somebody's without hope, what do we share? The hope of Christ. If somebody doesn't have trust in others, what do we share? The trust in the truth that is Jesus. See, when we understand what others are dealing with, when we understand what is going on in the world around us, we begin to understand how to communicate the truth of the gospel in a way that's going to meet the person where they are at. So in other words, how to be eligible for a stimulus check really is a question about finances. You might have not Googled, and I might have not Googled how to be eligible for a stimulus check. But I've certainly looked at my bank account sometimes and said, okay, that was a little expensive. In some way, all of us are like, all right, what do we do with our finances? Finance is the number one theme for a Google search of how to be in 2021. We look at how to be more attractive. We recognize that the root of the question is in a self-worth and appearance. We look at that next one that says how to be happy alone, and we're looking at happiness and mental health. When we look at the next one of how to be a baddie, other than uh, being a villain, we're looking at self-worth and appearance. When we look at how to be a good boyfriend, we're looking at a question of relationships. When we look at how to be a good kisser, we're looking at another one of relationships. When we look at how to be a flight attendant, we're looking at jobs, we're looking at security. Even opportunity. We look at the next one that says how to be happy with yourself. And we see self-worth and mental health again at the root of the question. When we see how to be mindful, we see self-improvement. And when we see how to be romantic, we're back to relationships. See, we've got three of the top ten questions on this list deal with relationships, and three of this top ten deal with self-worth. If we want to recognize the challenges that are in the world around us, then we need to be able to acknowledge that some of the top issues that the people that surround us are dealing with have to do with how they perceive themselves and how they want others to perceive them. In other words, the world around us is struggling with identity. When we are connected to our world, we must recognize that our world is struggling with identity, with the self-worth, with our appearance, with our mental health. 
So when we look at how do we present the message of the gospel, when we say we're connected to the world, we have to understand that there is a very good chance, just according to this list alone, there's a 70% chance that the person we are talking to is struggling with their identity in some way, shape, or form, whether it's their own value of themselves or the way they value others. So we want to present the message of the gospel to the world, church. We need to start by helping others understand the value they have in Christ. See, other things that caught my attention as I was looking through this entire list, and I spent hours just reading this because it it was amazing. This is a direct quote from Google. It says, searches for affirmations reached an all-time high worldwide this past year. Worldwide, not just in America. The search for affirmations. If you don't know what affirmation is, it's something positive to say to yourself to pump you up and make you feel good. Basically, self-affirming, saying you're doing great. You ever look in the mirror and say, you're going to do good today. You got this. Reached an all-time worldwide high for search in 2021. You know what also reached a worldwide high this year? Soulmate and body positivity. See how these all connect? See how right now our world, even though we're globally apart, we're all struggling with similar things. And we recognize that the people who don't know Christ, including maybe people who do, are dealing with these things, we begin to change how we present the message of the gospel. See, the method can change, but the truth remains the same. And when we're connected to our world, we begin to see that. Something that's also interesting is job interviews are searched more in this past year than before the pandemic in the United States. People are in a season of transition. People are in a season of questioning. People are in a season of wondering what's going on, and you and I are probably a part of that. Yet why do we ignore it when we're sharing the message of the gospel? How many people do we know who don't know Christ are dealing with this? Because at least if I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with this with the hope of Christ. I can't imagine without. Because the truth is we are in a world full of hurting people. Whether they're in a country that's being bombed or they're living the ideal life. We are in a world that is full of hurting people. And all it takes is a quick scroll through social media to know what our friends, our families, and our community are hurting for and with. And we cannot ignore our own hurts and pains too, right? If you've been praying for the right moment, the right topic, the right conversation, or something else, to have that conversation with somebody, chances are they're struggling with one of these items, and that time is now. That right moment is now. Because you know what? People appreciate honesty. They appreciate transparency. And when we can say, this is what we're dealing with, this is what I'm dealing with, but this is how God is helping me through it, we begin to see the power of our words. See, can we not speak God's truth into people's situations as we deal with these things? See, if we're connected to our world, we need to recognize what our world is struggling with, and we need to recognize the hope that Jesus provides for what they are struggling with. And I'm here to say that there is not one struggle that Jesus cannot help with. 
Psalm chapter 66, verses 16. says, come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for me. Your testimony is powerful. Use how the Lord is working on you. Use how the Lord has worked in you, in your life, in your family's life to connect to those who are in our world who need to hear Jesus. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be done being worked on. For God to not use my story. For God to not use me and what he's done in me in that way. See, our lives are examples of Christ's transformation. Our lives are examples of Christ's transformation. So we strive to be like Christ at all times in our lives as Christians, right? But even for me as a pastor, I can never stop striving because none of us have ever reached that moment of perfection. Last week, you looked at scripture that said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And that means we strive every day to live a perfect life, that we strive every day to be like Christ. But in moments we will fail, we turn to repentance. Because we're called to be perfect as God is perfect. But knowing that we cannot attain perfection on this earthly life. But we can be in communion with the one who does. Or the one who is perfect. So let's take a look at everybody's favorite prophet who got eaten by a big fish. Jonah. If you didn't know, it's Jonah. Jonah is your favorite prophet who was eaten by a big fish. Guarantee it. And it says in Jonah chapter 1, we're going to look at the first three verses. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up! Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish. You know what's a fun word? It's Tarshish. There's two SHs. Sometimes if you read it quick, you, you read Tarsus or Tarshish, but it's Tarshish. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. They just want to tease me here. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. That is one verse and three Tarshishes. Really, first off, we get three verses into this book. And in the first verse, that third verse that Jonah's mentioned... The first mention of his name, this dude's already running. He's already fleeing. So obviously he had to be a prophet before this, right? But in his own namesake book, we hear of a prophet running from God. And I don't know if you're a Bible reader, if you're familiar with this story, but I'm going to give you just a quick recap. I'm not going to read through it. It's not too long, though, if you want to go home and read it. It's just a few chapters, about four or five. I believe it's four. But here's the thing, Jonah gets on the boat because he ran. He found a boat that was going the opposite direction, and he ran. And the massive storm comes, and the people on the boat, they're casting lots, and they're like, why is this happening? Surely somebody did something to upset their God. And Jonah's like, eh, that was me. You know what? Just toss me overboard. This will be okay. 
So I kind of look at this moment where Jonah didn't know he was about to get eaten by a big fish. And when you realize that Jonah didn't know he was about to get eaten by a big fish, you realize the severity of what he just said. Because if you don't know you're about to get eaten by a big fish, and you say, throw me overboard during this storm, you're asking to die. And when God sent this big fish, he said, Jonah, I'm not done with you yet. You're trying to escape this, but you're not done. Jonah admits his fault. He's thrown overboard, and a giant fish swallows him where he stays for three days and three nights. Which I personally hold to say is a foreshadow of what Christ will do for us. But then Jonah, in the belly of this fish, admits to God in sin, in repentance. In that moment, the Bible says God commanded this fish to vomit Jonah up. Mm. He had a stink. But see then, Jonah actually gets called again. He doesn't just get up and go. God calls him again and says, now Jonah... I want you to go to Nineveh. And this time, he's like, all right. Saw what happened last time. Sure, I'll go. But actually, you know, Jonah went, and he shared the message. He shared what God wanted, and the people repented. And Jonah got angry. Jonah got angry. See, Jonah saw an evil city full of evil people, and he made a decision for God, saying that those people did not need God's grace and mercy. See, if we are connected to our neighbors, if we are connected to our family, if we are connected to our enemy, then we cannot ignore that we are connected to our world. And regardless of how I feel towards individuals throughout this world, regardless of how I feel towards a situation that is facing this earth right now, there's nobody beyond God's mercy. There's nobody beyond God's grace. There's nobody that we should not be praying for and interceding for. And as stated earlier, we cannot be connected to our world without living in the world. But we don't have to live of the world. Why? Because our world needs Jesus. Jeremiah comes on up. Our world needs a Savior, Redeemer, Messiah. Our world needs the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. And here's a reminder I feel we all need when we talk about how we are connected to the world we live in. You don't have to go to another part of the world to make a difference in the name of Jesus. You don't have to be rich and famous to make an impact. And here's a part of Scripture that really reminds us. In Acts chapter 17, we hear about a man named Jason. And right before this, Paul and Silas were traveling around preaching in synagogues the message of the gospel, the message of what Jesus has done. 
And Jason took them in and housed them. All he did was house. We see in Acts chapter 17, verses 5 through 9, But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city official, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, and Jason has welcomed them. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The crowd and city officials who heard these things were upset, and after taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. See, we only hear of Jason in the scripture in this book of Acts when he was serving as this host for Paul and Silas. But see, just in these four or five verses, Jason proves to be a great example of what we've been talking about all month. See, when we are connected to the mission of God, we become connected to our community, our neighbors, our families, our enemies, our world. Jason housed those who were sharing the message of the gospel. He took care of them. He was punished for it, but then he was able to get out on good favor of his behavior and that security bond. Because he recognized there's more to it than being stuck in jail. He recognized that there are people that need to hear the message of the gospel. And we come to this conclusion this month that our connection to our community fulfills our commission. If there is one thing I want to invite you to be challenged by, not just this week, by this month, it's that phrase. Our connection to our community fulfills our commission. Our connection to our community fulfills our commission. Your connection to your community fulfills your commission. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our connection to our community fulfills our commission. We are not called to be of this world. But if this world needed Jesus to walk on it, and I am to reflect him, that I can remain not of this world. But I can walk on it. Walk in his truth. Walk in his mercies. Walk in his grace be the salt and the light that he calls me as a follower of Christ to be. 
because I have to recognize first and foremost that my connection to my community fulfills my commission. And the same rings true for each one of us in this room. And as I've been preparing for this week, I came across this incredible template. It's from a company called The Unstuck Group. And they share with us a four-week model of what it means to impact our world without even leaving our house. If there's one thing the pandemic taught us, it's that connecting digitally is possible. Finding friendship, finding connection, maintaining relationship through the digital world is possible. So I want to share these four suggestions that we can use as Christians on a digital world. And honestly, they translate very easily to the world we live in and we walk in. So we look at the first week. The thing that I want to challenge each one of us with is to message four friends on Facebook or whatever social media you prefer. You can text them. Honestly, you can call them. You can go up to their face. But ask them, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Even if you say that to a person who doesn't know Christ, who's going to say, I don't want you thinking of me and praying for me? So then the following week, week two, share a content resource from church or another ministry. Just something to say, here's who I believe. Here's what I believe. This is who I believe in. Week three, volunteer in the community and post about it. This is what I call positive peer pressure. You ever jump in doing something exciting and fun because you see somebody else doing it and say, man, they've got such joy. And I think of the moment I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart to stay. We can get involved in our communities. If we're talking about how we're connected to our, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, our communities around us, this is exemplifying Christ. But then let's encourage others to join us. Say, hey, I'm going to help this. I'm going to jump in. And then week four, pick three friends to encourage with a small e-gift card or gift card or something tangible and nice to say, hey, thinking of you, I'm praying of you. I wanted to give you this. Not, I wanted to give you this and bow down and give your life to Jesus right now. Just, I wanted to give you this. Because the love I have for you is an extension of the love Christ has for me. Four very practical ways over four weeks of what it means to tangibly show God moving through us. But see, there's other things that we could do. We could find a way to make an impact in Jesus' name globally. You know, whether it's giving through an organization like Convoy of Hope or something different. We can find a way to make an impact in our community. We're going to be sharing shortly, not today, about an Easter outreach that we have coming up. About how we can impact our community this Easter season. You can find a way to impact your family. You can pray with them and encourage them in their walk with Christ. 
doesn't matter if it's family you live with or family that's in the area or family you have to connect with over FaceTime. See, we are connected to our neighbors. We are connected to our community. We are connected to our families. We are connected to our enemies. We are connected to our world. And it's because of this connection that we exhibit fulfillment of the great commission in our lives. The call to action that Jesus has for us. So here's what I want to do to close out today. I want you to stay where you're at. And then I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just reach out like this as a sign of surrender to God. There's nothing magical about doing this. Let me just clarify. But saying, God, I'm giving you everything. But I want to receive all that you have in store for me. And I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over each one of you who is in this room and each person who is joining us online. Because I believe that God wants to use the season that we are stepping in as a church to continue to fulfill the commission that he has called us to as followers of Christ. So would you bow your heads and let's, let's open our hands to him this morning. Saying, God, I ask that this morning that we humbly come before you asking that you let us see the way you see. Let us see how you want us to be connected to our neighbors, our communities, our families, our enemies, and the world that you have placed us in that we are not of, but God allow us to walk on and walk in your truth, sharing your wisdom, your mercies, your gospel. Allow each of us to recognize those things. That we know what it truly means to be connected to the world you have placed us in by connecting them to you. God, let us not miss these things. God, again, we ask that you're present in the situations going on globally right now. But I also ask that you're in the situations that are going on in our community that we may or may not be aware of. That you're in the situations of our friends, our neighbors, and even those who are against us. God, we receive what you have for us today. That we may go into all the world proclaiming your good news. May God bless you as you stay sensitive to his word, rock of grace. And in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. If you are looking for ways to just make sure you get that text message with ways to receive that with information for Convoy of Hope, if we could throw on that one slide with the text info, you can either fill out that card right in front of you, or if you're joining us online, if you text new at ROG to 94,000, that's two ways that you can make sure we have the correct information so you can get that text. 
or if you have the Church Center app, that's where you could update it, and that's how everything's going to be communicated. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I hope the rest of your snow on your lawn melts and that the Lord watches over you throughout this week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.